This is the Wrestling with Edwards podcast with your host, Scotty Wrestling. This episode is a very special episode. It's not the usual breaking down of events from wrestling over the past week. There will be no reviewing of pay-per-views. There will be no predictions. This episode is going to be timeless. It's going to be timeless because... Of the love, of the care, and of the thought that so many people put into this that I hope you can all enjoy and feel. This is the Honoring Hanakamura episode. As you heard at the beginning, you know, just her sheer light in her promos is what made people absolutely adore her. And I've been conducting these interviews over the past couple months in an effort to give people a platform of some sort to share their thoughts on Hanukkah, share their love for Hanukkah, and help me in an effort to honor her, remember her, and make sure that no matter what, no matter what is going on in the world, that her legacy and who she is lives on forever. You know, it goes further than pro wrestling here. Hanakamura is someone that 
everyone should look at in all sense of entertainment, all sense of art, and just marvel at. Because the human being that she was, anyone would be so lucky to be that type of human being. And that's why we're honoring her here with this show today. Throughout the episodes or interviews, you're going to hear my thoughts from, you know, my favorite matches, my favorite moments, you know, as I talk to these seven individuals who really help bring bring it home for me in terms of how much Hana meant to them. Even if they didn't watch Joshi or Stardom, they didn't watch Kimura wrestle. They still were affected by her passing and were happy to come on and, you know, share their thoughts and share their opinions. So I think that in itself made this so special to me. I'm going to read off the list of names here in order of how they will be talking on the show. And I hope that you check out every single one because the best part about this in my eyes is that everyone gives their own input. There's never anything that feels repetitive and I guess that's the beauty of who Hanukkah is. We talk about favorite matches, favorite moments, favorite promos. Her runs in the five-star Grand Prix. Her match with so many people like Julia and Kagetsu and Hazuki and Mayu Ibutani. The list goes on and on. And we talk about the human being that Hanakamura was. Because in the end, while this was a show that I knew would be difficult for some to get through when interviewing them, I appreciate everything they did to you know, come on here and be willing to do it. Because it's such a difficult topic. And as, you know, we discussed throughout the episode, grief is a real thing here. But I'm hoping for those listening, for those who interviewed, and for those who will maybe just find this and never have heard of me or anyone talking I hope this gives you insight into how special Hanukkah was to so many people and I hope it's worthy of honoring the incredible the incredible human being that Hanukkah was so why don't we start the interviews here we go. All right. Uh, this is the first interview of the Honoring Hana Kimura show. And with me to start off is Parker Klein. How are you? Uh, of course, you are from Fight Game Media as well as the Wrestling Observer. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here um, and, and talk about one of the most influential people in in really in wrestling over the last I would say half decade and certainly um 
even before her passing, Justin Joshi. I, you know, I, when you think of people who are internationally popular, uh, Hanakamura is the name that comes to mind. And so I'm really excited to talk about a retrospective on her career. We're gonna we're gonna cover a lot today. So yeah, it, it's gonna be great. Yeah, I I'm I've been looking forward to doing this show because I know, like you said, she's very recognized throughout the world, and she is someone that gave a lot of people happiness per se. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And um, so we're just going to start it off. Uh, what were your overall, overall thoughts on um, Hana as a performer? So I always saw her as a, it's funny at overall as a performer, because I always just saw her mostly above anything else as a performer. Yeah. Um, she was incredibly popular um she was beloved i mean even as you know she, it was really her it wasn't kagetsu it was really her who was the catalyst in turning oedotai from you know this like dastardly heel unit to more of a more of a beloved kind of anti-hero deal yeah. um so that's super influential as well um she obviously had uh, you know was was on the path to becoming a a legitimate celebrity in Japan too with her media appearances and everything like that so she was just a she was just a star um I I, I always liked her as a wrestler um but I never you know it wasn't like when I was a fan I was like particularly a Hanakamura fan over anybody else in stardom because stardom right. is such a great promotion and mm -hmm. has been for a long time um but you really saw in say the entrances and the promos and everything like that, just how much of a performer she was. Yeah, I totally agree. And we're going to get to the five-star in a bit, but I watched through that um, over the past week just to prepare that again. And my biggest takeaway from her as a performer is she just got it. Like, that's not something you teach to someone. They just, and when I say they got it, I mean, they have the... Um, crowd with them they have the wrestling down like everything she did just seemed like magic for her it just all worked and came together and I really do think the five-star run she had is a real um, perfect showing of who she was as a professional wrestler but again her reach is so far out of just professional wrestling as you know we've talked about a little already yeah, and it's it's funny because you would think, you know, legacies are so important in wrestling, um, and she's a second generation wrestler, obviously, um, but she was nothing as a performer like her mother Kyoko. Um, Kyoko was like a Tommy Dreamer hardcore brawler type, and <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but you can see some overlaps in just the charisma and how people get behind them um, and that type of stuff, but. I mean, that wasn't that wasn't really Hanakamura's deal. She she was so preternatural at it, and I have to think that just being exposed to um, her mother's work from a young age gave her, you know, the the inspiration and the ability to refine her character and her talent into something that a lot of people identified with. Yeah, yeah, and I, it's funny you bring up the, like the Tommy Dreamer type style that her mother wrestled. Um, I think she was always really good at the brawling aspect when she went to that 
point. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that was the beauty of uh, what she did is that she could bring that side out of her. But like you said, that wasn't her necessary style at all times. Um, so I want to, you know, really get to touching on something. And you you brought this up to me. We could talk about her wrestle one time. Um, mm-hmm. So what um, are your, you know, overall thoughts about her time there? Because, again, as we all know, stardom was her main place. But a lot of people, like you said uh, before the show, didn't know too much about this. Well, really the remarkable thing about the Wrestle 1 time for her is that it was it, it was her trainee period. And so that was where she got trained. A lot of people who maybe have come to wrestling just recently when Wrestle 1 was kind of on its last legs don't really might not realize or even remember that they had a women's division and they had they would have women wrestle on most of their big shows. Um, and obviously Hanakamura was a big part of that even when she was just a rookie. Um, so I mean, really what, what is most, I think, impressive or important about her run is just the sheer amount, in Wrestle 1 specifically, yeah. is just the sheer amount of talent that she came in contact with that she wouldn't have otherwise. Um, Wrestle 1 is where she you know, got the connection with Asuka or Venny um, with their tag team Flourish. Um, great tag team, really fun matches. I would have loved to have seen them wrestle in, in stardom. Uh, it, it would have been it would have been a really good team to see. Uh, but, you know, think about wrestlers like Kaori Yoniyama, obviously Death Yama-san, but um, in in her more serious wrestler <laughs> setting. <laughs> Royal Matsumoto, Miyuki Takase, um, Saori Anu, Hikaru Shida as well. Uh, she wrestled in um, in Wrestle One, so I mean that's a huge amount of talent in just just that little bit there yeah. that she was able to come across. And she actually didn't end up wrestling that many matches for Wrestle One because again it was mostly trainee period, and she was in that time where she would you know go to Sendai Girls for a little bit or go to JWP for a little bit, something like that. Um, but uh, I think the Wrestle One stuff, if, if you can find it, is worth seeking out because it's a it's a very different. Hanakamura than maybe than maybe what we're used to in a, in a more muted trainee type setting I mean just based off the names you said I think that would intrigue anyone um mm-hmm. especially like Venny Asuka um because that has been so um popular all of a sudden I feel because of the AEW um appearance she had but man I I had no idea about the team they had i just knew i knew they were friends like i've known they were friends mm-hmm. i know that um they had a very close relationship but i never uh was able to put together the way that happened so i personally because of this i'm gonna go out of my way to find this now because i'm i'm a fan of both of their work so i can only imagine even though she was still relatively new um it's probably very entertaining like you said yeah and and you know it, it's just unique to see her in a setting that's not stardom like stardom Mm -hmm. has such a unique presentation and style to it where the matches are quick usually um you it's it's like a hot crowd and there's like specific sort of tropes that they sort of stand by it's very patterned in a a way not that that's a bad thing because i love stardom but um when she's outside of that it got very very interesting i think her best match in wrestle one i would say was actually against asuka venny 
Um, she wrestled in front of like almost 2000 people at the, at the Bunka gymnasium in Yokohama, which closed just last year, but is one of the most iconic venues in, in Japanese professional wrestling. Um, and they had a singles match that was great on that show. So I would say that one is the one to seek out for anybody who's listening and would want to check that out. I just read it down, wrote it down for myself. So <laughs> I think that's the beauty of, you know, these types of things. It, she was friends with Asuka and that probably helped her, you know, especially, I don't know what year it happened to be. I don't know if she was still uh, relatively new or not. Um, I know her wrestle one career was spanned about three years, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, but definitely something I will check out. Um, do you want to talk a little about a uh, little bit about her time with Oedo Tai? Because I think, like you talked about, she really helped popularize that group. And here's a fun story for you. So I broke into watching Stardom uh, last year, really when the pandemic hit for the first time. And uh, my friend Alex Richards, who you know from mm-hmm. uh, Stardom Quest, he gave me this long list of matches, like long list of matches that I started watching. And it was the, I believe it was the Queen's Quest versus Oedo Tai Gauntlet, which mm-hmm. is Elimination Gauntlet. One of my favorite matches I've ever seen just because it's so much, it's so chaotic. And it's like a bunch of different singles matches broken up. And it might not, it might not do that. But anyways, sh- she was wrestling. I had no idea it was Hanukkah No clue. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I'm I, when I go into these matches, I I like to. If this makes sense, not always know the names beforehand, so I can just pick out who I like and not go in with like a predetermined mindset. Because like I knew Io Shirai because I yeah, followed sure. WWE, and that just goes in hand with that. But I was still learning, and this was one of my favorite matches because I learned so much from it, and. I believe it was her that really shined to me. I could be I could be off here with the match I'm picking out. Um, but she, like I said earlier, was a real shining star. And I think you could really touch on how um, her work in Oedo Tai was massive for her popularity too. Well, I'm glad you brought up that um, that gauntlet match because it's, it's one of, uh, it might be the best gauntlet match in wrestling history. I mean, it, it's a perfect gauntlet match. Yeah. There's, there's, there's nothing. I don't like gauntlet matches usually. I think they're kind right, of I agree. And boring, and they don't really, you know, it's just like, oh, another singles match that's going to be, <laughs> you know, go seven to eight minutes, and it's going to be just fine. But this one was so awesome. The crowd was out of their minds for it uh, in Corrigan Hall as well. But um, yeah, absolutely. I think she's absolutely a big part of of turning to tie into this more anti-hero slash you know half baby face half not team yeah. where um it, it, and and the importance with that is that when you have a, a cool quote-unquote heel who the crowd gets behind and they they just love no matter what throughout wrestling history that has been the catalyst that the number one thing that draws viewers and draws, you know, draws attention to a promotion. You go back to the NWO, you go back to Stone Cold Steve Austin, you go even more modern times, you think of somebody like, like Tetsuya Naito and Los Ingobernables de Japón in Japan. And Oedo is another example of that. I don't think that stardom becomes as popular as they are today without the dynamic of having the sort of 
prim and proper, you know, ace type type mold with people like Shirai and Kairi Hojo and now Mayu, of course, um, juxtaposed against another group of really likable wrestlers, uh, but just in a different, a completely different way. And because I think, because Kimura was such a natural uh, performer and it helped that she was, <laughs> she, she was beautiful <laughs> as yeah. well that, you know, not that there's any bearing on her character, but the, that's what gets you over in, right. in, in wrestling and specifically in, in, in women's wrestling. And she was able to utilize that in a perfect way. Um, and I, you did a great job bringing up that gauntlet match because that's like the best example of it. It's such an awesome match and, and really, you know, provides some really interesting dynamics. Yeah, I mean, I could talk about that match as for like ever because it really lets everyone shine. And like you said, gauntlet matches can be pretty bad. <laughs> like they, mm-hmm. they can be boring. They can be very, um, I'm not going to say scripted, but like very repetitive Um I feel like uh, WWE uses them all the time. So, like, to me, they're very repetitive. But uh, this match let everyone shine. And I think her relationship, especially with Kagetsu, is one of the more magical things as a wrestling fan you can watch on TV. And it's not something you probably might have realized while watching it. It was more of a, wow, like, if you go back, you're like, I wish I saw how great this was when it was happening because like i said i was late to the stardom thing but like those are one of that's one of the major things i wish i watched while it was going on if that makes sense mm-hmm. um, yeah oh, yeah go ahead oh, i was gonna say uh, i would like to hear your thoughts on those two <laughs> together yeah i mean their relationship is so i mean it, it's like it's so inherently likable, I think, that I don't know how you wouldn't get behind something like that. Like, it's very much, you know, compared to today, if you didn't watch this type of stuff, it's like, it's like Julia and sort of how wacky Shuri and Himeka and Micah can be at times, right? Natsupoi, right? It's, it's, it's that type of stuff to where it's, it's, it's just, it's just an extremely likable act. And then mm-hmm. it gets over and sort of cascades upon itself when you have all these, you know, minor shows where they're constantly tagging together and you get to see that dynamic over and over and you get used to it and you start to like it even more. And it just becomes a natural thing that's like a highlight of the show. Um, and in the promos as well. I mean, they have yeah. some hilarious promos <laughs> between the two of them. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely dead on with, uh, with that evaluation. Yeah, and it, it was the ability to have fun while watching them like i i know a lot of people watch professional wrestling for a various number of reasons and that's the beauty of it but sometimes i just really like to have fun while i'm watching it like i consider a great match fun but i also consider um like you said these promos that they would have pure fun because if it gives me a laugh then i'm all in on it uh it it was really such a special bond those two had on screen and we know off screen uh, so I wanted to move on to the five-star run in 2019 that Hana Kimura had because I think it's a very good um, example of how her work um, maybe is underappreciated at times. I think because she was such a big star, like we talked about the head of the show, her in-ring work necessarily wasn't 
as talked about, but I think she was a very good worker. Um, and she showed an ability in this tournament, especially to be a very uh, aggressive, confident worker. Um, she really worked on the brawling style, I think, mostly in this uh, tournament. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on her five-star run. Maybe we could start with the first match, or you could just talk generally first as well. Yeah, I would just say generally speaking, um, this this is very reminiscent. I think they almost ran it back the next year with a, a similar run for for Utami Hayashishida. Yep. Um, I get, you know, she was booked extremely strong. She two of her losses were to flash pins, and the other one was to Mayu Iwatani, the top star. Um, <laughs> that's about as strong as I think you can be booked in a in a tournament where you take you know three losses, right? And she of course won the tournament. Um, I. And I think that metaphor or that comparison to Utami the, the following year holds even more weight when I think about how towards the end of the year and into the beginning of 2020, it was like she was stepping up her game even further mm-hmm. to having that ma- that incredible match with Julia. Yeah. But then, you know, it, it seemed like she was on this path to, she was going to be one of the top two champions in the company by the end of the year. Um, and in hindsight, you know, you look at the title she's won, it's like, man, she didn't actually win that, that many no, championships right. in stardom. Um, but, and this is getting away from the five-star, but I think that even in and of itself, like that doesn't always tell the full story because some, some wrestlers don't need championships to give them legitimacy and popularity mm-hmm. and to draw people, right? So I think, I think Kimura is a fantastic example of that. But back to the five-star, um, this, was, this was like the formula for what we were going to get from her going forward with all these, you know, six, seven matches. Like this is, this is just what we were going to see from Hadakamura like afterwards. Um, and it would be interesting to see if they were going to, um, you know, book, book some longer matches for her or something right. like that. Cause even the final only went about, I want to, I want to say it went like, like 15 minutes or less. Yeah, it did. Um, so, uh, and against Konami, of course. And I think there's a special <laughs> significance to that too. Mm-hmm. Um, with Konami being <clears throat> being a stable mate and one of Kimura's closest friends to to that being the final of the stardom G1 essentially yeah. is, uh, is I think a very powerful moment in hindsight. I totally agree. And I like that you brought up the Utami comparison because like you said, uh, we're going to talk about the uh, match with Julie in a few minutes, but the work picked up after the big win, like mm-hmm. their in ring became far more noticeable. It's like they came into their own through the tournament. Um, I've seen you talk about Utami is run, which has been spectacular so far, I think, mm-hmm. but uh, I think Kamara was on her way to doing the exact same. And like you said, she was probably going to be champion by year's end, whether it had been the white belt or red belt, um, doesn't matter, but I will say this tournament, despite not winning a singles title, I believe in stardom, this was almost just as good because it established her. I think that's mm-hmm. something that, you know, some fans don't always see with tournaments like Cody Bushi's won two G ones in a row. And that's a big deal. Like even if he wasn't champion, which he ended up winning, of course, that is still a major deal. It helps build him as a performer. And I thought it built Kamora uh, up to be one of those top stars. And, you know, it 
showed because of the New Japan uh, Wrestle Kingdom match that they had where she teamed with Julia against Mayu and drawing a blank. Is it Hoshiki? Oh, yes, Arisa Hoshiki. Yes. Um, but I think that was a perfect comparison to Utami. Um, and I want to point out a few matches here. Uh, you brought up the Mayu one. I think that's a spectacular match between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're talking about Mayu Yutani here, so it's like, yeah, of course it was. But I thought they brought out the best in each other. And especially after the Azumi loss, she showed a sense of urgency in these two matches, uh, in her next two matches. I think that is something she got. Um, I, I don't know if you necessarily remember exactly what that, I just watched it again. So that's why I'm like mm-hmm. touching on that, especially, but let me, let me hear your thoughts. Well, yeah, I, I think, well, and you look at the schedule ahead of time and it's set up to where, you know, her first five opponents are, well, okay. She got Tandakano on the first day. Right. And then her next four are mid carters or less. Right. <laughs> so right. you've got, you know, Azumi who is not the Azumi of today, you know, mm-hmm. Avery, um Sumire and then Saki Kashima you know none of those people are top you know top players or anything like that yeah. and then of course after that she has two straight <laughs> matches on you know two matches in three days where it's Mayu and then Momo <laughs> and so it's like yeah I don't that's exactly what you do to set up a star uh is you put them in matches against the top people in the company uh consecutively and you put them on their level um so i think you're absolutely right there and then hazuki you know hazuki was a big star as well you know um so that was the you know sort of red star the like her block final what was against hazuki and it was not out of the question that hazuki could have won that match and made it to the final too um so yeah i think um i think you're absolutely right on that evaluation of just how the the way you do that in a G1 or in a, you know, in a tournament like that in, in the five star is that's how you make a star because I completely agree with the assessment that outside of probably the red and white belt, the five star is the biggest thing you can possibly do in stardom. And it's getting bigger every single year. The five star didn't used to mean all that much. Um, but now with the, the amount of talent they have, it's, it's getting, it, it's, I mean, I'm stoked for the five-star this year. Yeah. It's going to be great. And whoever wins that tournament, because they have so much talent on that roster, they're going to be made for life right. unless they, you know, put together bad performances or whatever. So yeah. Um, yeah, this was the, this was, I think the start of that before this, the the five-star didn't, didn't even mean all that much right. as, as, as much as I recall. So um, yeah, definitely a huge, a huge point. Probably the feather, Maybe the feather in her cap in her uh, in her in ring career. Yeah, and I didn't even talk about the Hazuki part. Like Oedo Tai being in her way of getting to the finals, I thought was just another right. added key by them. Um, but like you said, the it was like the um, most difficult road you could possibly take, especially in 2019 when Momo was still fresh off her uh, white belt run. Like Mayu Momo, because Mayu was. Ma- what two three months away from becoming the uh, world of stardom champion so yeah. it's it's not even like this was like mayu when she wasn't uh winning titles this was right before it so again uh g- a great run and um uh, did did you enjoy the match with um konami i thought it was a 
very good match between friends. And it come, it kind of goes back to what you brought up earlier between Hana and Asuka and how you said that was her best match in Wrestle 1. I thought this was one of her better matches because uh, I think Konami went for the uh, triangle Lancer at one point, but which I believe was still 100% at the time. Mm. Which, and she was able to sneak out of it. So I think that's the beauty of the Tokyo Cyber Squad final was that they knew each other's best shot. Like they both got out of the best shot and it came down to who would make the one slip up. And I think that was the beauty of that final. The other part is that they did, you know, they've done this fairly frequently and they're really the only promotion that does this anymore where they will have a wrestler wrestle their block final match and then do the final on the same show um, at the end of the show. So that Hazuki match, obviously, against all of Oedotai, essentially, <laughs> was uh, was earlier in the show. Um, so, I mean, a combined 25 minutes of wrestling for Hanakamura on that show against not only the Top Heel stable, but also um, her essentially closest associate in the company, uh, and you know somebody who is incredibly dangerous as as a wrestler in Konami. So I think, uh, I mean, yeah, that's like again we're talking about about all this star making stuff. I can't really book a better <laughs> a better star making run than than the 2019 five star for uh, for Hanakamura. And kudos to you for for pointing that out because I hadn't really thought of that that much. But in hindsight, it's like it's exactly what you do. Yeah. Well, it was. A lot of the reasoning I looked at this especially was I was thinking about the Julia match and I wanted to talk about this big time with you because it really is one of the matches that I really love from Star. I'm like, I can go back. It's almost timeless to me. Mm -hmm. It gets better every time I watch it. And I wanted to rewatch this run because I was like, did she find who she firmly was during this run? And I absolutely think she did. Uh, and I guess that's the beauty of wrestling. And I think it's great how you brought up how the five star wasn't fully wasn't as prestigious as it has quickly become over the past two years and i'm in agreement with you i think it is this one that really put it to the forefront and I, that probably has a lot to do with hana kimura itself because she was so popular mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so yeah going going to the the julia match that we that we want to talk about um i think that I think I think the propulsion, it's so interesting how that works because it's like she couldn't have gotten that much better in that time, right? Because right. it's not that much of time. But it's just for, for whatever reason, wrestling is so unique in that, you know, once you give somebody this obviously fabricated, right, like legitimacy, it, it all of a sudden propels them into something, into something greater. And to have a match like this against Julia, who everybody knew Julia was going to be. A major player yeah. to start him going forward but this was still very early for julia in the promotion and this was julia's first great stardom match as well um and so the, the fact that they were able to have this intense just wild 15 minute draw uh, draw brawl essentially where um i mean they, they, they're wrestling like like it's a never open weight title match in in new japan it's they're wrestling <laughs> like they're ishii and and shingo out there like right. just with the crazy forearms and the brawling all that type of stuff and it's it, it was really just a fascinating performance you know I, 
what what would I remember the most about it? I mean, I loved it at the time. I was like, oh, that was that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but but what really sort of set it in stone as this kind of transcendent moment was how people outside of stardom were talking about yeah. Julia and Hanakamura match and it was like, wow, this you know this match was crazy. This match was so good and just unique and stardom has exploded in popularity over the last year and a half and th- you know even through a pandemic yeah and i don't know if that happens without this match so um my only final thought on the on it is that on the same show as arisa versus konami for the white belt and on the same show as mayu versus kagetsu in one of the best matches in stardom history the fact that it's even debatable that julia versus hana could be the best match on that show <laughs> is incredible considering the uh the, the amount of talent that was also on that show wow like what a show that was just like i know that was, that that was like... one of the best one of the best shows of 2019 <laughs> like right? i could or, no, it was, yeah yeah go ahead yeah i was tw- and just 2019 you were mm-hmm. yeah it was it was it was right before uh they ended up having the tag which is even funnier um mm-hmm. yeah I think this match really helped open up, like you said, Stardom's popularity because, you know, everyone was talking about it. After I watched it, I went back and, like, saw comments and stuff and, like, see how this match was seen. Because, like, I watched it, had no idea what people thought about it. I was just like, this this is awesome. Like, this is the type of style I love. And I, I find it funny you brought up the Shingo versus Ishii, like, type style of just, like, full-out brawl. And I think that is something stardom has really taken on um, in their matches. Like mm-hmm. Julia's made that kind of her uh, marquee thing in her big matches, which, absolutely. I, abs- which absolutely. I absolutely adore. And I just think that these two were destined to have some even more great matches. It's just, you know, this is, this is going to be as lighthearted as possible for this show, but I just think of like what they were going to do because these two told a beautiful story their first time around. They were going to tell a wonderful feud, and I do think that that Tam Nakano feud was meant for Hanakamura. Yeah, it's always interesting to think about, you know, and obviously a little bit sad to think about, yeah. like, like because we know Rossi books things well in advance. He's very meticulous about how he organizes his cards and all that type of stuff and what the stories are going to be. I completely agree with the assessment that these two are destined to be longtime rivals and or stablemates slash tag team partners. (laughs) Um, Because I think if there's one thing that stardom and really Joshi as a whole are missing is that that killer tag team. You know, there are really yeah. good tag teams like the best friends and, you know, like the drop kickers and people like that. But there's really no, in stardom specifically, number one team where it's like both of these people are superstars right. and super popular and fantastic wrestlers and, you know, check off all the boxes. And I think, I think, a, I think a Hanukkah Julia team could have, could have, uh, could have reached that, that standard. Yeah, it could have been really interesting. And I always want them to, like, this is going to go off from a little tangent here, but I've always wanted Stardom to uh, embrace the inner faction, like, teaming. Because I think that is something we've seen. Anytime they do it, it's really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess the most recent time was when Siri and Momo teamed against Utami and 
Julia. I think that's the mm-hmm. most recent, and I love that match. And it's just a, I agree with you with the they're waiting for that like tag team that really popularizes. I think they have some good tag teams now. Don't get me wrong, right. but I'm definitely with you on that aspect. Uh, but yeah, back to Hana and that match real quick. I definitely just one of the matches I would recommend to anyone to go check out. I think it's Hana's best match from everything I've seen. Um, you, you may have a different one, but you, you, uh, you watch a lot of wrestling. If people don't <laughs> know how much wrestling you watch, you watch a lot of wrestling. So, you know, you know how good this match was. Like I can't um, push how much knowledge you have. So, Definitely go and check this one out if you're looking for a Hana match to watch. I say this one. I say that gauntlet we talked about, which is a lot of people, but it's another good showing for her. And the five-star, I think that's just a brilliant um, way to really see her style. Yeah, I completely agree. I would agree that that was her best singles match of her career. Um, she had uh, she had one back in Sendai Girls against Mika Iwata. Um, okay. That was, and I know that's a deep cut, but if you can find that, and I'm pretty sure you can find it somewhere, um, that is a great match. That was on their major, you know, Sendai Girls doesn't run Korokin very often because they come from Sendai, of course. <laughs> um, but uh, they ran Korokin Hall that day. Uh, it was in 2018. And they, uh, Hanakamura and Mika Iwata, who, has, uh, who is one of, one of the most underrated women's wrestlers in the world out there. She's only 24 and she's still, you know, got a ton of growing to do, but they had a fantastic match um, as well. There was also, uh, there was also Io Shirai versus Mako Satomura on that show. So <laughs> definitely <laughs> sure <to> check out. <laughs> that's, uh, that's definitely a show. Yeah, that's a show I'm going to go watch uh, probably like very <laughs> soon. Uh, just tossing the Io Shirai versus Mako in there. Um, well, I, want to just know if you have any more uh, overall thoughts about Hannah, her career, you know, it's this podcast. It's going to be one big one for it, multiple interviews. So please feel free to take your time. I'm not rushing you at all. <laughs> I guess my final thought is just aside from the fact that she was a great wrestler and everything like that, she was so universally beloved. And I mean, seriously i there there was not a person who's like oh hanukamura is no good or i don't like hanukamura as a performer and that's that's rare there's always somebody who's like no i'm not a huge fan of this person but i i never ever saw it with hanukamura um and i would just say that don't don't forget you know a lot of the stuff that was talked about a year ago after her passing about you know being kind and everything like that and i always try to be i know you and i both try to be very kind and respectful on uh, on Twitter and it's a good thing to be and um, I, I just want to keep that going as well so I appreciate the time to talk about her life and career and everything like that this was this has been a lot of fun Scott I appreciate it hey I'm I've been trying to uh, get you on here for one way or another I'm happy the first time we got to really talk was for this I think it's the perfect uh, first conversation for us i'm happy you were willing to come on i'm happy we were able to talk about what we did and i can only uh reshare those thoughts of definitely remember everything that was going on during that um there's also the remember Han- um hannah uh, non-profit that you can donate to but um that's being done by her mother can't push that enough um yeah but again 
Parker, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for talking about Hannah. And, you know, I hope to have you on again for maybe we'll talk a five-star when that comes around. Oh, that sounds good to me. It's a plan. All right. Well, have a good one and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. All right. So with me for this interview is Beth Harris of Stardust Press Podcast, Last Word on Sports, and Inside the Ropes. Beth, how are you today? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. I actually um, got a tribute tattoo for Hannah today. So Yeah, I saw that. It was pretty well-timed. It <laughs> worked out well with yeah. the schedule. Yeah. Um, can I ask you like where you got the art <clears throat> basis from? Did you create it yourself or did you try just kind of like come up with the natural uh, idea like i, I kind of obviously because her name means flowers in english yeah that was kind of where i wanted to go with it so i just like um not i'm not gonna lie i'm not a big fan of hydrangeas or anything so her tigerly move that she used to do was kind of like what i kind of went for so the yeah. flowers i like so yeah that's that's cool with me <laughs> I, I've seen um, a few other people actually get some sort of design for Hana, like mm. some sort of tattoo. And I think it's cool that all of them, you know, have the flower component, but also like are all different in some different way. And I thought it was a really good one. I, I good for you. I can't do tattoo pain, but <laughs> that looked like a lot. I was very impressed by how it came out, um, but very cool, very well-timed and uh yeah very good way to honor her so we did discuss before how you wanted to talk about hana's time in oero tai and i think that is a common theme so far for the guests i've had on here i think that's where a lot of people you know fell in love with who hana was as a performer um and you know the way she shines so can you give me uh some thoughts about her time with them uh I mean, I think there's just like so much to say about it. I think what I loved about Hannah in Oedo Tai was how she really did stand out compared to everybody else. I mean, in a group that's got so many characters like larger than life, you know, you've got Kigatsu, uh, Chris Wolf when she was in it, Tam when she was in it, Natsu, and still Hannah managed to just be the one that you always focused on, mm. even if it was like, um, I was watching another a match the other day and Hannah was just like on the ropes and even then you were still looking at her and you were just like wow you know I think yeah. that's what like that I liked about her in a way to ties that she had such a cool mystical aura about her which I, I loved her in Tokyo Cyber Squad and how she was like so much more out of her shell at that point but it was kind of like the mystery behind her in a way to tie that like I absolutely just like loved it. So yeah. I like that you brought up, you know, when she was she'd sit on the ropes in the corner. Like that was her um that was kind of her stylish thing during their entrance. Uh she had an elegance about her, I think that few had. And I liked how you brought up like the mystery behind her because she was very mysterious in that group. Oh. Um, you know her relationship with everyone in that group, I think is something also to touch on. I know you're a big fan of really most of them, if not all, um, Natsu, you brought up, 
Um, yeah. And her relationship with Kagetsu is something we've talked about previously in some a few other interviews. So, uh, what's your thoughts on their relationship? I mean, clearly it was huge, as we know, and we will be seeing that soon enough. How close they were. Uh, I think, like, uh, at least what I get from Oedo Tai, like, at least, you know, from the, the 2018 version, it really didn't like a family compared to, you know, like the other units like Queen's Quest and Stars mm-hmm. and I guess Donna Del Mondo now. It, they did, like, look like they were just connected as a family. And that's like, yeah. you know, what you see with, like, Hannah and Kagetsu's dynamic where it was, like you really felt like it was kind of like mother daughter thing similar mm. you know when hannah was wrestling with kyoko and you know it was like whenever she was wrestling with um like hazuki or natsu it was like they were sisters and that sort of thing so i think like that relationship dynamic always like really worked for them as a group yeah. so yeah i i totally agree i think especially like the way they wrestled too you could see it Mm. like it's hard to explain like the family like style of wrestling if you know what i'm i think you kind of understand what i'm saying like they work so well as a tandem and i think that's something hana carried with her even after um oedotai i think she did that with tokyo cyber squad they also felt family like so i think that's something that she really harped on she learned from uh kagetsu and working with kyoko uh is there any matches? I mean, there's definitely matches. Is there a few that stand out for you? Because I'd love to talk about those. I think I think something underrated about Hana was her in ring. Um, I think oh, that's yeah. I think that I think the um, star power she had it really takes over in like who she was as a person. But when it came down to it inside the ring, she was one of the best, I think. Yeah, I think absolutely. To me, the like the strangest matches always stick in my mind. With yeah. it, was like it was like some nonsense, um, like six person tag, and I'll think, oh yeah, like I really like that match. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just looking at my notes here. The um match where Hannah returned from Mexico, and she teamed up with Natsu to face Konami and Izumi and Tam and Shiki Shibusa, or Shibusa, sorry, and um. It was like during uh, Natsu was feuding with Azumi, and yep. Hannah was just like, "What have I come back to?" <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's like it's such a chaotic match, and if nobody's seen it, they should definitely watch it because um, Starbucks has put it back up onto their on-demand service. But it's like such a chaotic match, and Natsu and Hannah ended up winning. But again, it kind of ties back to like the family dynamic. There was a part in the match where. Um, Azumi were trying to beat up Natsu after the match and like you just see Hannah running in and like yeah. pushing her out of the <laughs> ring <laughs> oh, it's like, so... you're beating up a 15 year old <laughs> yeah when you put it that way it's even funnier um, you know I'm I was just going to drop a match as well um, I'm figuring you've seen the gauntlet match between Oedo Tai and Queen's Quest I mean, yeah. yeah. So that's one of my favorites. And it's one of those matches where, okay, so I've set the stage for a few people. I'll set the stage again. Last year was when I really got into stardom. And one of my friends gave me a full list of stardom matches, just random stardom matches to watch. And I, not very smart, um, just read Queen's Quest versus 
Orlando Ty had no idea really like yet who was fully in the groups besides like EO and Kigetsu, like otherwise pretty new overall still. And Hana was one of the people I was just like, like you said earlier, it's someone you just notice. It's someone that you're just automatically amazed by. And she was really a shining star in that. That's one of my just favorite matches now. Um, I don't know what your thoughts were on that, but it's so chaotic, but a one of the best, if not the best gauntlet matches as someone who has watched many in WWE that have not been good. I appreciate a good gauntlet match. <laughs> yeah, like, I completely agree. I think there's some matches like in Sudden, in general, they've got a really small talent pool. Yeah. So you see a lot of people interacting and people have stories between them, but I always thought that um, a way to tie in Queen's Quest a little feud, especially during like 2018, it really like cemented them as like, like each of them as a group. And it was just every time they had a match, I thought it was just like great. So, yeah. And, you know, we're going to keep bringing up 2018. I think 2018 is just such a shining year for them. Uh, is there anything, you know, when you look at Hana as a performer, is there anything that you see in her in-ring work that you feel others should take from, if that makes sense? Uh, probably. I think what I liked about Hannah's like in-ring work was kind of just a general statement, is it? Um, she wasn't like always the most polished wrestler mm-hmm. in stardom. You know, obviously Hadio Shirai and Mayu and Kyrie same work at that point. And you know, there's always going to be people that were more polished than Hannah, but what she had was just like this scrappy attitude. Yeah. And I really don't think that many people have that. Mm-hmm. At least the at least in stardom that I've noticed. But I think if people like to take anything from like Hannah's in-ring work, it would it would be like that scrappy attitude of just like yeah. go all out. Yeah. And like I not agree. care. Mm-hmm. It it's funny you bring up that because. Um, I recently watched her five-star run when she won it all in uh, 2019. And I think to me, that is maybe her biggest star making performance from beginning to end, because like you bring up the scrappy style and she really turned into this brawler physicality. I felt like every match is just like so serious for her, but she also always had fun. I think that's something Mm -hmm. that I would say people should take away from Hannah Moore is having fun in there. Um, I know a lot of wrestlers do have fun, but, you know, we look at the, what people like to call the major promotions and companies and stuff like that. I feel like those competitors could take a lot from who she was as a competitor, but that five-star run is one of the best star-making performances I think I've seen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many matches in that where it was just like, you can see that this is going to be the next thing in wrestling. Yeah. Like you just look at her and you're like, that's the it girl. You know, there there were so many matches in that, that like stick out to me. As you said, like, um, I'm a big fan of Nat. And her match with Natsu during five stars was one of my favorite matches anyway. Cause it was just like, Hannah goes into it like, oh, Natsu's just a comedy wrestler. And then that's, I'm going to take her head off. And then still be so. (laughs) <laughs> yeah like not that's, was... that's what i liked about them so 
Yeah, like Natsu is so angry, like going into it, and it's reasonable because like they were once family and now they're not, and I think that's the beauty of it. Like to read down the lineup real quick, she went against Tam Nakano, who now is one of the biggest um, women's wrestlers in the world. Natsu, who was just such a feud, um, Saki, which is just like. If anyone watches that match or, you know, all eight seconds of it, it is awesome. Uh, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> we, we could touch on a few of these in a second. I just wanted to go through, finish up. But uh, she fought Avery, Azumi, Mayu, Momo, and Hazuki. And after her loss to Azumi, the idea that you have to go against Mayu Iwatani and Momo Watanabe back-to-back to even have a shot is very terrifying. You would think, but I think she showed like a sense of urgency in those matches that it's just a credit to her that she understood that and was able to do that. I I like to credit Hana, especially during this run, because she made every match have a different feel. Like if she was dominating, especially like after she beat Tam and Natsu, she went against Saki like, oh, this is going to be nothing. And then Saki rolls her up one, two, three. Like, that's the beauty of it. Um, we talked about Natsu. Is there anything else you, you know, remember from that run that you really want to touch on? Uh, I think she had the finals against Konami. Yes. Yeah, that, that again, is, like, one of my favorite matches because it, it's just – they gel so well. And I think that as well works into the whole, like, family dynamic because Hannah really did get close with – you know, everybody in a way to tie and then everybody in Tokyo Cyber Squad, that I think that's just what really worked for them yeah. chemistry-wise. Because, you know, I think it's kind of similar to um, Donna Del Mondo now, is that I think personally they have really good matches between each other, but not anybody else. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> I, I think a lot of people feel that way. I've seen on Twitter. Yeah. You're definitely not the only one that thinks that. Um I won't make this about DDM. However, I can make it about Hana versus Julia, which I'm going to. Um, which yeah. is, you say that they mostly have good matches against each other. However, I will say Hana versus Julia is a one. I very much love that match because of how physical those two were. And it was, it was like a 15-minute sprint to the finish line. They just didn't care mm. about winning at times. It was just about like, I just want to knock the shit out of you. Yeah, I can 100% agree with that. I think that's one of the matches that I've watched, like, on repeat the most, like, out of Hannah's matches. Like, I have a few that I, I like going back and watching, but that match with Julia was just, like, on such another level. And, like, the whole build-up to it and everything, where they were fighting at the press conference and they were fighting after matches and all that, like, it really added to, like, the big match feel that they had at the uh, year-end climax, so. yeah. And again, those two, they were going to feud for a very long time. And they, their ability to make it feel so real in a sense, I think that's Mm -hmm. the beauty in wrestling is if, you know, wrestlers are able to make you think, oh, these two can't stand each other. They hate each other in every sense of the way, like, Mm -hmm. I just always wonder who is going to be like, where would we be now? I don't, but this podcast is about not getting sad. So I'm not going to get sad. Uh, <laughs> I will ask you, is there any 
like under underappreciated matches or segments or anything that Han has done that you'd recommend to someone? Uh, I think if you like really want to get a like taste of like Hunter's personality, you should definitely go back and watch um, the Golden Week mm-hmm. shows that um, Stardom did. Whether it's like Tokyo Cyber Squad's produced show that they did, or like Oedo Tai's produced shows, I think they're like some of the best ones that really showcases Hannah's personality. But other than that, like I think if you want to see what she can do in the ring, there's a um, her match with Kagetsu, like the hardcore match, is like yeah. one of my all-time favorite. Men all with him. Um, she had a really good match with Hazuki. Like, there's just so many yeah. you can name off, but like. If you wanted to go watch every single match she's ever had, I'd recommend that as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from like the beginning um, when she was in Wrestle 1. I talked to someone about her time in Wrestle 1, and I was recommended a match between her and Asuka, Venny, whichever you prefer. Um, that's really good. I have that on like my watch list because their relationship is also something that um, people really love. But that one with Kagetsu. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Asuka, so. Yeah, that one with Kagetsu, great recommendation. I think that's a good one. Um, Someone also brought up the Stardom Draft um, and how she she, um, (laughs) is able to, just like her personality shines during that. And I think Mm. that's also just another great way of seeing Hana as a competitor, but also as a personality because i think her ability to always be true to who she was is what made her different from everyone else in a sense yeah i i totally agree i think that's what a lot of people like myself included loved about her because she didn't care you know she was just going to be her authentic self and like i think that's what a lot of people you know can relate to is that she was just going to go out there be goofy be a good wrestler whatever you know yeah we loved it for that so yeah yeah i think again it's the, it wasn't about the you know these technical classics or anything that people love so much now um what made her great was her raw ability to just be herself and perform in every sense of the way i could talk about hana forever I you probably could too. Um, I'm not yeah. wrapping this up yet, but is there anything like I'm not saying matches, but just like you would recommend for people who may not know who Hana is or not know the type of person she is? Like, how would you say her legacy lives on? Uh, oh, it's a good one. That um, I think her legacy will live on as like being one of the good ones if that makes sense you know yeah. how you talk about um Brody lee shad you know that type of thing i think she'll always be known as like someone that you know she just cared you know she cared about wrestling she cared about everybody around her and i think like that's what people love you know and there's there's not many people in wrestling like that from at least from the stories that you hear mm-hmm. all over social media and like again if you just scroll through like Hannah's 
Instagram page, you know, you'll see the type of person that she was. And, you know, that that's kind of like, she's one of them people where you notice that she's missing. I don't know yeah. if, you know, anybody else um, feels the same way about like when they watch Stardom, you notice that her presence not there. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that, that's that's how I, I see it. So I, I think that is perfectly well said. I think the, um, for people, her legacy is, you know, different in some ways, but there is a overall theme of she was one of the good ones. She was someone that the wrestling world misses. Um, stardom certainly misses. I think that was a good point. Like, especially if you watch Stardom during the time she was there and now, it just, like you said, feels different. Um, you don't have that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Every, there's people on that roster that are brilliant in their oh, own yeah. thing. I'm not saying anything bad about them, but she was such a shining light, such a bright spot. And, you know, that not being there is tough. Uh, but definitely, definitely, I like how you brought up Brody too, because it's she, she, Brody, two people really, it's crazy. It's been just the past year um, mm. that the wrestling world has really made clear those two were two of the good ones. And I think that's um, a brilliant point by you. Uh, do you have like any final thoughts? I don't mean if we could talk for another 30 minutes, it really <laughs> doesn't matter, but like that legacy question is my big one. So mm -hmm. I don't have many big ones left when it comes to questions. <laughs> like Han Hannah is uh, a wonderful, wonderful person and, you know, we could just say talk about that this whole time too. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, I think like I, I don't mind continuing, but I think one of the main things, like, you know, like I write about wrestling, I post about wrestling on, on Instagram, and the, my main point is like remembering Hannah is like the wrestler, Hannah the person, not Hannah what happened to her. You know, and I, I think that there's, mm. especially on social media, there's so many fans that like to bring her up uh. whenever. I don't know, whenever someone has valid criticism mm. and I'm like, you know, this, this was a person, this was a wrestler that a lot of people loved and, you know, you're kind of reducing it to almost a poster child for yeah. not holding wrestlers accountable, right. which it is, I, I hate to say it, but it is usually Western fans that only yeah. watch WWE and AEW and have never seen a single Hannah match. And the only time they heard about her was when AEW tribute right. thing to her or, you know, when she passed. So I think it, at least, like, when I talk about it, I want her to be, like, remembered as the wrestler yeah. and not, like, what happened to her. I think it is, to an extent, like, important to talk about what happened, but not, like, just reduce her to that. Right. Because you know she she was friend she was someone's daughter and you know she was a wrestler that, like a lot of people loved and a lot of people related to and gravitated towards so yeah I think that is the perfect point I feel like I have had to tweet the you know with the same like intent of like she's not someone you just use in situations when your favorite is 
I'm not gonna say get picked on, but like this, like you said, fair criticisms. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna bring up anyone's name because they're just gonna soil the episode. Um, but I am totally with you. Like, remember the wrestler, remember the personality. Don't remember her just for that. You know, the one thing. Um, I think that is, you know, beautifully said. And I appreciate you being able to come on and say that because that really is the basis of what I'm trying to do here. Um, spread awareness, especially towards people, you know, Western fans, like you said. That is a really big thing. I feel like if you are a WWE fan, AEW fan, just those, just those, you don't get it. Like you don't understand yeah. who she was and why so many people are so sad like very different very different so beth thank you for coming on i'm happy we were able to you know have this discussion um it's a tough topic and i applaud anyone that's first of all able to come on first of all anyone that says they'll come on but someone that can bring together their thoughts like you just did i really do appreciate that yeah, no problem. I'll, you know, gladly talk about Hannah like all the time. So. Yeah, yeah. It's again, I don't like with this. I don't want to force anyone to say anything, and I've been very vocal in myself. Some things are hard to talk about when it comes to Hannah, so that's why I bring up the favorite matches, um, her relationship with Kagetsu, and stuff like that, because I think that like you said is what we should remember her for mm. yeah yeah absolutely so um but i will uh i will let you go i again i really do appreciate it um you can uh hit everyone with your social media and all that if you would like uh yeah i have um an instagram where i talk about Joshi wrestling if well I'm assuming people would be interested in that it's just Joshi underscore central and then I have a Twitter Oedo Corpse where I, sometimes I, I say that. things <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you got Oedo Corpse that's so it's so good I, don't know. Um, I might have to change it so it sounds more professional at some point ah <laughs> uh, yeah well that's that's something down the road that you don't have to probably worry about for now because mm. you know the world's still not fixed like myself, I don't have to have a professional one yet because I know how that feels. But that is not the topic we are on today. Um, but you can also check her out, uh, Last Word on Sports. You cover Ice Ribbon and Tokyo Joshi Pro, correct? Yeah. I, I'm, the yeah. one that, I'm the one that edits half of these, so that's on me <laughs> for not saying that. And Inside the Ropes as well, you cover Joshi there as well, yes. Yeah, I cover start the Ice Ribbon sometimes. Perfect, perfect. Well... Beth, thank you for coming on. I hope you have a good rest of your day. And um, let's remember Hana, everyone. Yeah. All right. So with me today is Stardom Quest's Alex Richards. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm good. Yeah, I'm uh, just over some sickness. So, you know, I'm happy to be back and able to talk about this with you. Yeah, it was like a game time decision. I didn't know if uh, we were going to get to do it today or not. Not that it matters because this is all coming out on the same day, but I will act like it's kind of a live sort of thing. But of course, thank you for coming on. Um, so far, I've done two of these. Um, you know, 
I've had plenty of uh, laughs and smiles, which is the goal of this Hana show overall. So I hope that the time, but I definitely have a massive appreciation for that time like you brought up. Yeah, it's just, it's, I suppose the reason that there's a lot more stuff from that era on is probably just because I watched it all. Whereas like before that, I, uh, I wasn't a fan until like late 2018. And then obviously it's hard to go back to through stardom because there's so much to watch and so many different places they have to go to find it all. Um, but yeah, it's definitely like just a magical run for, for the company and one of the best kind of 12 month periods I think any company has ever had. Yeah, I think like it's a daily occurrence that I see people talk about that run stardom had, whether it be on Twitter or even like a Facebook group or something, but mostly Twitter. And I think that's just a credit to, you know, all the talent there. But I did want to start this all off with the stardom draft from 2019. Uh, This was your recommendation to uh, really kick this all off. And this was the first time I watched it. And I definitely just want to uh, dig into really the overall segment, but also just how much of a boss Hana was during the entire thing. Yeah, she just, like, didn't she stand out so much? Like, everybody else was, like, you know, having a bit of fun and playing around and, you know, kind of messing around on the mic. And then Hana would just shout who she wants, like, from her perched on her corner. Um, It's just so cool. Like, she just always stood out so much and that that draft really stands out to me as one of those moments where you're like damn she is something else you know yeah uh when she's sitting on her perch like you said i think it gives a sense of like how much of a presence she has overall and like you said when she was yelling out names and i think at one point she like texted someone like yeah she's cool with it like i just was completely um it wasn't even a match like i think starter matches like as we've talked about in the past are among the best but like this had me drawn in from minute to minute because like you said everyone was having fun but hana was in a sense like just in full control like she knew this was her place this was what she was doing and i think it was just so great um we could of course start with the first um, pick of hers where she picked Jungle Kiona. I believe this was fresh off of Jan breaking up, so it was a pretty uh, emotional moment for Jungle. And Hana was like, "Yeah, you're you're in Tokyo Cyber Squad now. Get over it." Yeah, especially because uh, Hana was the one that broke up Jan. Um, she eliminated Kiona last to uh, to you know keep TCS alive, but then also was the one that killed Jan. Um, so there's an added layer there of Hannah was the reason that Jan went away almost because she got the final elimination on uh, on Kiona. Yeah, and her uh, ability just to be like, yeah, now you're on Tokyo Cyber Squad, get over it. Like, mm-hmm. with the first pick, I think that was, like, the best part of it all. Like, it, she didn't have to pick her first, but the fact that she did just added fuel to the fire in, in a sense of, like, how great that was and especially because she didn't even pick up a microphone she just yelled jungle get over here or something like that which was just awesome yeah it's just it's so hannah especially of that era because she was coming off of the the big heel turn of like turning on a way to tie 
and she was kind of an ass but it was also just really cool um and that was the whole jungle thing was like man that's kind of like that's kind of cruel to just be like yeah get over here you're in my faction now but it's also you're just like yeah i I respect it like how cool is she right and she continued that like through the entire draft it wasn't just with jungle but um then she picked konami which i believe she was originally with queen's quest so that was like she essentially tried to spite everyone as much as she could while having a big smile on her face i think that was the blessing in disguise when it comes to hannah like she was happy to get under your skin and didn't have a problem with showing it yeah it's definitely a, an interesting angle for her i think she just she wanted tokyo cyber squad to shake things up like it was a brand new faction uh this was you know the first time they were getting actual members and so she was like i'm just you know and putting together my special little crew here of the people that I I see potential in. Yep, and she was also the one that lasted the longest in the draft. Uh, Stars finished up, oh, you know, Ty finished up, and Queen's Quest finished up, and she was just like, is there anyone left? I think th- I thought that was hysterical, too. Like, She was like, huh, which one should I pick? Even though she was going to pick the rest of the people in the draft, she had no problem just sitting there and be like, you know what? I'm gonna pick whoever I want. Yeah, that was and that was her. But I also feel like there's a deeper meaning to that that we can maybe get into later. Um, unless you want to just jump into that now. Yeah, we absolutely can. Yeah, so I think the deeper meaning of her picking everyone was part of the whole vibe of Tokyo Cyber Squad. Obviously, their um, their uh, slogan was "Everybody's different. Everybody is special." Um, and I think her picking everybody in the draft was her way of saying, like, I don't want anybody to be left out. I will see the specialness in you, and I'm going to bring it out of you in TCS. Because, I mean, she didn't have to draft Rina. She didn't have to draft Yoniyama. She didn't have to draft Araka either. But she did, you know, and especially, like, she saw Rina in tears and was like, you know, you're, I'm not extraordinary either. You're like me. I want you to join us. Like, I think that was the real power of not only TCS, but Hannah's true character that shone through was that she didn't want anybody left out and she wanted to, you know, let everybody know that she sees the special ability in them. You know, if if I'm making sense there, like, I think she just understood that, hey, you know, you're a kid now, Rena, and you are couple of months in and you're a very basic wrestler but you will be special and uh, tcs will help you achieve that you know yeah yeah that's a that's a great point and i think like with the slogan and really tokyo cyber squad as a whole it was like a family connection which um i think is really important here and you know having that mentality is what made her so special. And it's funny because you we brought up earlier how, you know, she turned heel on Oedo Tai. It was kind of a jerk. But, like, by the end of this, she was all, like, she was, like, the pure face of it all because she was the one bringing on those who weren't drafted and giving them a home. Yeah, like, it's it, it's almost contradictory to the character, but it, it just, it was probably just her shining through despite the the turn you know because there was always a lot of the real hannah in wrestling and there's you know all the stories that we've heard of her since 
she definitely seems like the kind of person who would never want anyone left out like that. Yeah, she was just such a pure soul, which I think is something that anyone can really appreciate, especially in the world of professional wrestling, because so much of it is, you know, everyone has a character, everyone has a gimmick, everyone's doing something to get themselves over. But she, among there are others who do, but she was so pure and she shined through, like you said, with who she was, which again, really made her special um, from so many others. Yeah. And I think that was what really made her run of that year. So good was just that she was so cool and she felt special and she was also delivering in the ring. Like she was just putting together a run that was leading to to greatness um and i think you know her her 12 month run there after that draft just really showcased all of that just how you know as you say special she was yep and i wanted to touch on um at the end of the draft how her unit aspiration was for everyone to shine like diamonds i thought that was um really touching but in a sense also really captured the greatness of Tokyo Cyber Squad. Yeah, because, I mean, that's why they really kind of hit with a lot of people. Like, I feel like a lot of people in the in the fandom of Stardom really connected with Tokyo Cyber Squad for that reason. It was like, we are the, you know, this band of misfits that are going to shine uh, no matter what you think. Um, and I think that was always why people love the group so much. Because, I mean, you look at the turnaround Konami had when she joined the group. You look at the turnaround Kiona had when she joined the group. And how those two came into, you know, in, into their own and got renewed pushes. And it's like, yeah, you know, just being in TCS and being embraced for who they are made them better. And I think that's something that can really, a lot of fans can identify with, you know, that can help make them feel like you know tcs is for them and because it is for everyone because that was their slogan you know everybody's different everybody's special and everybody is welcome in the tcs family it's the best it's maybe my favorite saying um in wrestling is that everyone's different everyone's special i think that um really should be appreciated by many and it also helps that Tokyo Cyber Squad just looked cool at all times. Like their entrance, everything just looked so cool once they got all together. Yeah, because they really ran with kind of Hannah's vibe of, you know, the Cyber Goth stuff for a lot of it. And at first it was a real departure to see like um, Jungle Kiona and like the baggy pants with, with the gun and stuff. But I mean, over time they all just really got into it and really leaned into it and yeah they did they look you know they look different and i think that was important was that they were their own individuals they didn't blend in with anybody else in stardom they you know they were going to look how they wanted to look and they were going to rock that vibe whether you liked it or not and i i think i always appreciate that yeah not everyone could pull off a sword like they did if that makes sense yeah most people would look like dumb as hell with a with a neon sword but i mean <laughs> hannah just made it 
like it just made Hannah infinitely cooler, you know, because she is better than us in every way. Yeah, it was just it's a credit to I guess just how cool she was as like she looked cool when she was in Orlando Tide too. I'm not saying she wasn't cool then. Like I think she always had that certain presence that um many you know can't gain in their lives like she was born with that presence i think that's something really important when you when anyone should talk about her like that was all her all the time oh yeah it's that thing that you can't teach that separates a a superstar from you know a, a great wrestler i think you know you either have presence or you don't like it's 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 something that you can't teach somebody and hannah had it from day one pretty much Mm. um so in you know the prior interviews i've had for this so far you know i think a main theme was the presence like we have been talking about of hannah and i think that's the main theme of really who she was in you know over the past year especially when people have talked about her they talk about you know, how she lit up a room, how awesome she was, you know, just overall. And I think something that I want to personally touch on, and um, I, I want to see what your thoughts are here, is she was really good in the ring. Like, she was really good. Yeah, she's somebody that I didn't appreciate enough while she was here. Like, I remember her a lot of her matches i was kind of like yeah you know this is really good or you know it was a good fight and it wasn't great or whatever um but a lot of them that i've gone back and watched they are just amazing to me now like i think she just brought such an intensity to the ring um and such a you know she was so clean in the ring as well like she wasn't sloppy at all um and you know towards the end of her run she was really putting it all together in the ring and delivering some amazing matches. Um, so like, definitely I agree. Like she had, she definitely took a lot from her mother, Kyoko. Like there was a lot of that intensity that Kyoko Kimura had that had passed down to Hannah. Um, and she really took that and run with it and, uh, it helped make her a great wrestler, but I definitely didn't appreciate it fully while she was active. And it's something that's made me appreciate my favorites now a lot more. Uh, not just because of Hannah, but I suppose because, you know, Arisa Hoshiki retired, you know, a couple of days before as well. Um, and it made me just realize that your favorite wrestlers or, you know, any wrestler that you enjoy can be gone almost at any moment. So you have to enjoy them to the, the fullest. And it's definitely something that I do now. Um, it's something that I wish I could do with Hannah more because, as I said, the more I go back and watch her matches, the more I love them, the more that they hit on everything I want wrestling to be now. 1,000% agreed on that. And uh, you brought up Kyoko. I've seen a few clips of her just absolutely drilling people with every, like, you brought up the intensity. Yes, there was no um, lack of intensity in anything Kyoko did. And I definitely agree that Hana brought that to the table as well. And also the point that you added, where appreciating your favorites more now is really important. I think I've definitely embraced that. I know you just said you embraced it. I think a lot of people are embracing that idea. Um, But I wanted to talk about the match with Julia because this one is just 
it's a match that I've talked to you about multiple times in the past, and we've said how the more you watch it, the better it gets. Um, so what were your overall thoughts on that? Maybe if you can remember the first time and then time since then. So the first time I remember, I, I think my review of that match is still up on Voices of Wrestling, so you can go and see my exact thoughts there. And I'm pretty sure I was just like, oh, it was a good fight, but it wasn't great. And then I think I just, I was kind of like, oh, well, Kagetsu and Mayu, I think, was on that same show. And obviously that was great. And I was like, well, that was better. Um, and at the time, I was just like, oh, yeah, this is a, a good fight. Like, Julia isn't clicking. And, you know, Hannah had the similar match with Kagetsu last year. And it definitely was just one of those where I was like, yeah, as a brawl, it was fun. But it didn't connect with me on any level. Um, so that was the first time that I watched it. That was my thoughts. I can I can see where you say that uh, because really I've learned that certain matches are matches you need to see more than once, um, especially Julia matches. I think her her more than any at least now. I have to go back and see their matches, like um, her most recent uh, the pay per view match where she tagged with siri i think you had to really go back and see that one especially because of everything that happened that day but Mm -hmm. this one i watched the first time when you wrote it down went back watched the second time and it's like i guess the idea of going into it okay this is what i remember and then being able to pick up little um, points that you may have missed the first time made it so much better. And I think it's one of my favorites. Like it's one of those like comfort matches, if that makes sense, which is weird to say, cause they beat the crap out of each other, but I think it's just so good. So uh, give me your thoughts the second time around. Um, yeah. So the second time uh, this is after, I think I dived a lot more into old Joshi and started to really, appreciate and want the aggression and intensity from my wrestling um and going back and watching it a second time i was like this is everything i could want because they were aggressive had this intent to just beat the crap out of each other and you know from start to finish it just was a battle an emotional battle that they were you know they were going to tear each other limb from limb no matter what and i think that's something that I really want from my wrestling now and it's something that that match delivered in spades because I mean just from the slaps to just disrespectful spitting at each other to little you know parts where they would just try and punch each other as much as they can on the ground it's all just so so great and it's such a fantastic match um that definitely hits on a lot of the sweet spots that I want from wrestling now yeah it's it's funny you bring up you know old um joshi which you have started to push me into i haven't watched this match at least since i watched the um thunder queens battle and i think Uh i would probably like it even more because you know i understand how you brought up like you look for more physicality and just like that physicality that's just absolutely insane with the intensity mixed in and like that was so good so i'm just imagining this would be even better because i'd have a more appreciation for that if that makes sense and i think this is really where julia 
clicked, like began to click in stardom. I don't know if you feel that way. I think Hana is a lot to thank for that because, you know, she was the home player in a sense for this match. Um, I don't know. Cause I think to me, originally watching in real time, uh, Julia didn't really fully connect with me until the Cinderella tournament. But I think that had her and Hannah been able to continue feuding after that, it, they would have shot into the stratosphere like straight away. Like I don't think there would have been any delay with both of them just becoming the two biggest names in the company. You know what I mean? I think their feud was that hot that Julia, having had that run in the five star or not five star in the Cinderella tournament, feuding with Hannah would have been insane. And I think. Maybe if I was to go back and watch it in retrospect, that I would see more of that Julia in the in the matches with Hannah because they did, you know, they had the tag matches and stuff. But um, yeah, I don't think Julia clicked until the Cinderella. But I think had they been able to continue feuding after that, they definitely would have just they would have overtaken absolutely any other feud in the company without doubt. Yeah, that's that's definitely agreeable. I mean, I wasn't watching. Um, live then so I have a very different look at it like that was the first uh, Julia match that I watched that I was like okay I I can appreciate um, what her style is and now her style when she has her big matches is really just these physical brawls which I think is better rather than her um, uh, what do we call it the New Japan style match but I'm not going to talk about that we are going to talk <laughs> about Hana um would you like to talk about her five-star run, which um, is something I watched through beginning to end recently, and I think it's a very good use of a tournament to fully make a star. Like, she was already a star, but there's a sense of getting to that next level, if you if you know what I mean, and I think that really allowed her to do that. Yeah, I mean, they'd been putting the blocks in place, obviously, throughout the, the previous, like, 12-ish months, because I, I'm pretty sure she turned on a way to tie at the end of the previous GP. And, on, you know, she got her own faction then and drafted them, and then they won the trio spells. And it just felt like slowly and steadily they'd been building her up. And then her getting to go in and win the GP had put her on that top level. Um, because she came away from that with so much momentum. Like, she was so hot. Like, the crowds were going crazy for her matches. Um, so I definitely think it was just, you know, it was the culmination of a 12-month, you know, push that really was putting her into the top echelon of the company because you know, she came out of that as easily one of their big four, you know, names. Mm -hmm. and I think that is, like I said, the... Uh perfect use of a tournament like that and we saw it recently um with utami to you know make make a star and um i just wanted to touch on a few matches from there i thought her match with both mayu and momo were great which i mean that's not i guess that's not saying much considering what i'm talking about um so that's on me but i thought her finals match with konami was really good i thought um when tokyo cyber squad had to face off it was a really good uh dynamic uh what were your thoughts um if i if i may rewind i think hannah and mayu were two wrestlers that should still be having a defining kind of 
you know, not a feud, but like a grudge, you know, with like two wrestlers who are always kind of in competition, even if they're not feuding. I think they had such insane chemistry and had so many like really good matches and in their time together. And I feel like we're being so deprived that that Hannah and Mayu aren't still kind of having this grudge at the top of the company because they worked really, really well together. Um, I don't know if you noticed that, but I feel like, you know, they just were so compatible. You know, obviously Hannah's intensity and her, you know, very offense-based style worked really well with Mayu's love of selling. Yeah, I can I can definitely, uh, going back to that, I think that was probably my favorite match from that, um, you know, run that Hannah had. I think it's a sense of, like you said, like her offensive base mixed with Mayu just having this absurd ability to look like she's on the, um, like, I don't know. She, <laughs> there's something about the way she sells that's just absolutely absurd. And it worked perfectly for those two. So I'm with you there. Like the idea that, you know, they could have had this long time grudge. And like you said, not necessarily rivalry, but, you know, watching each other at the top, I think that would have been um, definitely something really interesting. And I do wonder, had she had that been for the red belt down the line, we'll never know. But it would have been um, really uh, fun to watch. Yeah, I feel like they were probably setting up for it based on their uh, their draw in the tournament there, Hannah's last match. But uh, I suppose we'll never know, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to go back to the uh, Konami final, which I realized I didn't mean to skip over the Mayu and Momo stuff. I definitely did not mean to do that. Actually, I'll ask you about the Momo match. Do you have much... Um, memory of that i think it was momo was still pretty fresh off her reign as uh um the wonder of stardom champion so she was still pretty very very protected i'm not saying she's not i'm not going to get into that now but i think you know that match was really big in hana's run to the top yeah i don't actually recall it that well but I feel like it's one that I should go back and check out because obviously like Momo in 2019, was it? Yeah, 2019 was on some different shit. Like she was just, she was kicking chests in whether you <laughs> liked it or not. Um, And yeah, obviously, as I said, Hannah was very intense. So I mean, like in ring, they probably did work really well together and I probably did really like the match. But, uh, you know, sometimes those GP matches just blend together because there's so many of them. Um. But yeah, it's definitely one that I feel like I need to go back and watch because even just thinking about it now, I'm like, man, that must have been a that must have been crazy. Because I mean, as you said, Momo's coming off that white belt run and feels like such a huge star, and then there's the charismatic Hannah getting a push. Like, God, even just the two of them wrestling must have been huge at the time. I definitely want to go back and watch that again. But yeah, it feels like just a massive, massive match altogether. Yeah, and. It was right after she lost to Mayu in the tournament, so there was an added intensity from Hana's perspective because she needed to win. She needed to, you know, pull off that major win in the tournament that um, would be beneficial to her down the road. And I think that's also what added to it. Uh, she she had a really good 
sense of how her character was going. Like earlier in the tournament, she was just dominating. And then uh, Saki Kashima beat her in eight seconds. And that just like centered insane. Like I thought that was beautiful. And then here when after losing to Mayu, she really had to kick it up a notch and doing that against Momo. Yeah. As you can imagine, it only led to just pure intensity between the two, which definitely recommend going back to watch or for anyone listening to check out if they haven't seen that, but I will bring us to the finals between her and Konami now, because I've brought it up about seven times. <laughs> uh, so well, do you have uh, much memories of that? I mean, it's a final. So I'm thinking maybe me or, or even um, anytime those two had a match or any of Tokyo Cyber Squad had a match together. Um, I definitely recall that match being quite good because obviously Konami was Konami is really hitting that year. And uh, I feel like her and Hannah maybe didn't work as well together as other people worked with Hannah. But I, I do recall Hannah like debuted in some new moves to win the to win the match. And they were kind of like star making moments if if that makes sense like you know debuting a new move to win the tournament final definitely put her into that top echelon fully um, and konami put her over really well because they had spent that year kind of making konami look good so that when she put over hannah it felt like a big deal um and it felt it was a really nice moment because it was kind of like you know hannah had obviously made konami and helped konami advance so far um, and was still able to best her when the time came. Yeah, yep. Uh, you're you're right on track there, really. Um, I I know what you mean with the star uh, making moments. You know, debuting a new move to win, and I think they just work so well together because you had the idea that they know each other pretty well, being in the same group. So, like when. Konami would go for her finisher and Hana would slip out. You were like, okay, so others weren't wouldn't be able to do that, but she was because she knows the way Konami works. I think that was the uh, beauty of that final. Um, what I did want to ask you um, before we, you know, move a little towards wrapping up because I don't mean to keep anyone for too long. Um, what are some of your favorite matches or moments that we haven't talked about from Hana's career? Um, I love the match with Natsu Samire. Uh, I think it was in that GP where she was kind of like, Natsu is a joke and she isn't worth my time. And so Natsu just set out to prove her wrong. And Hannah as the antagonist in that match was so good because she was just like, I am better than you. You're, you're nothing but a, a joke. And like that's that match was so amazing, and it was just a full display of Hannah's character abilities. Because despite being cool as hell and wanting to cheer for her at the drop of a dime, she could just play an absolute asshole and get you to root for her opponent. And it was just such a good display of her talents. Because you know, as much as she had huge potential as like a top baby face like she was a fantastic heel leaning wrestler and i think that match is a real display of what she could do um i think another one is her uh bringing back the ueda tie gear for uh one of kigetsu's last matches in stardom when they teamed together one last time 
Um, and I think it was like the day before she was wrestling at the Tokyo Dome and I had to have her normal gear and hair back. But she still went and she dyed her hair black like it was in a way to tie. And she had the old way to tie gear to, to celebrate with Han- or with Kagetsu one last time. And uh, their moment after that match is so special. Like just them hugging and showing respect to each other is something that I will never forget. Um, and another match is, is uh, the, the match when Tokyo Cyber Squad won the Artists of Stardom titles. I, I love that one. It's a match that I never see talked about and probably just it wasn't as good as I think it is, but I just I adore that match. I remember Mayu had like a bum knee throughout the entire match, but like it was fantastic. Like Tokyo Cyber Squad worked so well to work around her limitation and uh Mayu gave one of the best performances of her life and obviously as I said my own you know Hannah had such incredible chemistry and that match was one of the starting points of that for me um but yeah I mean I could almost go on for days because there's so much great stuff that Hannah did um but I don't want to keep you too long well there's no limit to how long you can go, but I will touch on what you did say first before uh, we continue. Um, so I should have brought up the Natsu match because I think that was definitely one of my favorites from watching that tournament because um, Natsu just gets in the ring and goes right at Hana. And like you said, she played the heel um, very well in that um, because she, I think she was laughing or like, you know, just given like a, smirk when Natsu was coming down to the ring and then she just went right at her. It was kind of like you know how Oedo Tai just attacks before every match now like that is exactly what Natsu kind of had to do because like their feud from uh, Hana turning was just um, so white hot and I thought that was great Um, the Kagetsu teaming I have watched that um, on my own that is also pretty magical especially because she went all out for it like she like you said she um returned into her oedo's tie look which um i believe you said was the day before the tokyo dome yes uh yeah it would have been around that time anyway which is just like crazy because i mean having to dye the hair yeah that's just extra work that i can appreciate and then the artist win um it's funny you say Mayu gave the performance of her life. I think that's a um, real credit, especially coming from you, because you've definitely seen a lot of Mayu's matches. Um, I have not seen this match, so it's one that I'm going to probably go check out this weekend because that sounds like a fun one, but definitely uh, something I was cool with touching on. Um you can keep going with matches. I am all ears, my friend. Um, I mean, I, I think I'd be silly not to mention her last match ever. Um, her and Mayu in the Cinderella tournament. Um, obviously, two of the best in stardom at that time. Two of the top names in stardom. And obviously, given it's the Cinderella tournament, they had the 10-minute time limit. So they just went out there and had an absolute sprint. And... Uh, and one of the most memorable finishes ever when Hannah put in her, uh, her submission finisher on the top rope and they just took a fall to the floor and had the double elimination. It's, it was such a memorable and creative finish. 
um, to, to cap off a good match. And I think if there's ever going to be, you know, if you're a wrestler and you're, you're going to have your last match ever, you might as well have it be a great match with the ace of the company, you know. Um, I think it'd be silly not to mention that as one of Hannah, Hannah's finest. You know, it was a it was such a great match and it was such a great one to go out on. Um, as unfortunate as it is that it had to be her last match, it was it was a great one. And you know, it's it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to finish it up without rambling, but it's just nice that she got to go out on a on a really good match. You know. Yeah, and I think Hana was really good at the uh, sprint style. From you know what I've seen, at least when I say sprint style, I mean like you have this time limit, like in Cinderella, and you just go a hundred percent for all of that time and i've seen that finish like you said it's just such a brilliant finish in the sense that uh, mayu was the champion at the time so that just adds to it uh you know taking her out both of them falling and you know eliminating each other i think like you said that is it's it's really sad you know that it had to be her last match, but in a sense, it's a very good last match, like you said as well. Like, it's really, I understand, like, why you aren't trying to uh, ramble on or something there, because it's really hard to find the words to fully explain that. But you you make a great point where that is a definitely a match anyone should watch, because it really helps show the greatness of really both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another one that if if people haven't watched, and I think this might be up for free, is um her her getting to wrestle at Madison Square Garden, um for Ring of Honor, um I think that that venue just seems to hold a lot of uh, prestige with the Japanese wrestlers. Like uh, I remember I know Mayu Itani was uh, ecstatic to you know go into that show as a champion, and just. You know, the fact that Hannah got to wrestle at such an iconic wrestling venue at, at least once before she passed is, is such a nice moment to see. Um, you know, she got to do it with, with Kagetsu. Obviously, they were in, on opposite sides of a tag match. So, I mean, her and somebody who was so in, integral to her career getting to wrestle each other at Madison Square Garden is such a lovely moment to, to go and see. Um, and I'm so happy that she got to experience that, you know. It always amazes me how much Madison Square Garden means to almost really any wrestler, I would say. Like, no matter where you're from, Madison Square Garden's kind of like one place you, you know, you dream to wrestle. So I'm, I'm with you there. Like, just it doesn't really even matter, like, how the match went or who she faced. Like, the idea that she got to compete in that is worth checking out itself. Definitely. Um, so my last question for you, which is kind of a loaded question, but I thought of it last uh, in my last interview with this, and I'm just going to run with it. In your eyes, what will be the lasting legacy of Hana Kimura? And I feel like no matter what, her legacy will always be what could have been to me. As much as I would love to say that it will always just be, you know, oh, I love that Tokyo Cyber Squad 
you know, had that nice slogan and I take that with me everywhere. I think it's the unfortunate reality for me anyway, is that I will always think of her and I will always think of she's the biggest what if in, in wrestling, you know, and maybe that's not how I should see it. Maybe I should look at her beyond just being a wrestler. But I don't know. I think it's just hard to see it any other way when such a young, talented performer has everything taken away from them like that. I think your take on that is uh, a very raw and reasonable one. Like, I think it would be um, incorrect to not look at, you know, what could have been. And I totally agree with everything you said there. Um, The only thing I will add personally for me is that um, while, yes, she should have been on the top of the wrestling world, I think her lasting legacy is also this. She'll be remembered as a shining light per se on the wrestling world. Like anything she did was must see in a sense because of how, like we talked about presence earlier, but, just how pure of a person she was. I think that's also worth noting, but it's just such a, uh, you know, it's a difficult topic to fully dive into, which is why having this show, my main goal again is to talk about the good, but I do really appreciate, uh, what you had to say there, uh, is there any you know final thoughts you have about Hana Kimura's career, um, what she means to you, anything like that? Um, I think Hana will always have an impact because she taught me to to really appreciate what you know my favorite wrestlers are doing while they're doing it. I don't. I think. You know, her being taken away was a real shock to the system that made me realize that, you know, your favorite wrestler can and will go at any moment and you have to appreciate them for what they are when they're here. Um, and I also just think that, you know, I, I really look forward to celebrating her um, with the memorial show that Kyoko is putting on. And I hope it's an event worthy of Hannah because she was such a special human that we should all strive to be like um that deserves a celebration um and an an excellent celebration at that so you know i hope that however the memorial show turns out that it is befitting of of who she was as a person and um you know i just i hope that i never have to deal with a situation like that again i hope none of us do because it it was it hurt everyone for a long time and um yeah i just hope that you know we all learn to to appreciate our favorites while they're here and to make sure that the wrestlers we love know that we love them while they're active and while we can still give them their flowers perfectly well said i think um anytime someone on twitter or anywhere you know sends credit or love to any of their favorites. I think that is something that I appreciate. And I think a lot of it does stem to this, like you said, but I agree. I think, I think that Memorial show is going to be very um, special 
especially you know it's doing being done by her mother i, I can only imagine it'll be it's going to be a tough show to watch but we're celebrating the life of han i think that's what's most important so i do um i i look forward to watching that as well but alex thank you as always for coming on um i hope this was a fun little conversation to break away from uh current day wrestling when i say fun conversation i mostly mean the beginning where we got to talk about the startup draft and all that and talk about <laughs> the greatness that was hana and uh she will certainly be missed but thank you oh thanks for having me uh i'm, I'm glad i got to do it and i hope that something i said can resonate with people you know that uh it'll help them out maybe but yeah i just i uh, happy to help celebrate her thank you It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We come a long way from where we begin. Oh, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. When I see you again. Why'd you have to leave so soon? Why'd you have to go? Why'd you have to leave me when I needed you the most? Cause I don't really know how to tell you without feeling much worse. I know you're in a better place, but it's always gonna hurt. So carry on. Give me all the strength I need. To carry on It's been a long day Without you, my friend And I tell you all about it When I see you again We've come a long 